Well, amen. Good morning, church. It's good to be together again, and what a wonderful time of worship we've had, and I think that has prepared our hearts as well for the message this morning. We are continuing with our Will God Still Love Me If uh, series, and uh, today we will be talking about Will God Still Love Me? If I am depressed, okay? And uh, we're having communion today, as you already heard. And as we do, I want us this morning to remember God's unfailing love for us, even when we find ourselves in dark places in our lives. Now, the topic this morning is one that is not strange to our church. We've spoken about this matter before at our church, but it remains a topic which is not often spoken about in, in church circles. It is something that many experience, many Christians experience depression, uh, traumatic situations, dark places, anxiety. But few believers find it easy to speak about it in a church context. And so this morning, I'm talking about depression. I'm, I'm talking about mental health. And, and this is, today is not a deep dive into this topic, you know, into mental illness. But rather, we're going to take a look at some examples in Scripture, in the Bible, of individuals that experienced, who experienced depression and how God dealt with them. The, the Christian environment is one which tends to be very positive, very spirited, very, very upbeat, isn't it? I mean, we, we talk about being the head and not the tail. You know, we talk about being victorious. We talk about being filled with the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. And that is true and that is right. And that is our aim and that's what we should go for. But remember, it is also true we live in a broken world, isn't it? And that we face situations which sometimes can really hurt us, which sometimes can throw us into dark places, into anxiety, depression, and other stuff. And so we have to face these things. The fact is, very often when we feel that way, when we feel down, it creates a, a discord between what we think we're supposed to be as Christians and what we are feeling at that moment. Hmm? When you're feeling depressed, when you're having a season of burnout, we feel none of those positive emotions. And in those times, it is easy for us to feel a failure as a Christian. It is easy to feel that we, we don't represent our faith. You don't represent your God when you're feeling that way. It is easy to question if God still loves you when you feel so low, so empty, so useless, so unlike a Christian. Come on. And so this message today is to encourage those of you who might be feeling that way now. It is also a message to equip every one of you to encourage others who are feeling that way now or who may come across your path in the future. And believe me, they will. This message is also to lay a foundation 
in your heart and in your thinking so that if and when you do feel this way, you will know. You'll know that you are loved by the Lord and you will know what to do as well. So, does God love me when I am depressed? The short answer is yes, He does. Amen? So let's settle it right from the beginning, okay? When you're down and out, when you're down in the dumps, when you're feeling confused, when you're feeling depressed, anxious, whatever it may be, know this, God loves you. His love for you does not change. Amen? Those of you watching, those of you listening, take note, God loves you. Amen? All of you are present. God loves you, even when you are in those dark places. Does God love me? When I go through bouts of depression, when I am bipolar, when I go through a season of burnout, when my life seems aimless and without purpose, yes, He does. He loves you even then. But as with all other challenges we might experience in our life, God loves us when we are depressed, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. Amen? Remember this. He loves you too much to leave you in that situation. And there is one phrase, one truth that I want to be anchored in your heart and in your mind today. And it is this. There is hope. There is hope. And I want to emphasize this because when you are going through that situation, the lost in your mind is hope. Everything looks so dark, so hopeless. And so I want this to be anchored in your heart, anchored in your thinking. There is hope hope. And church, this is my testimony. Pastor, have you been there? Of course I've been there. I have been there too. Amen? And this is the testimony of thousands of believers who have gone or are going through depression, burnout, or other forms of mental illness. Now, mental illness is not a bad word. We often, when you say mental illness, people go, ha, ha, crazy, cuckoos. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Listen. Let's, let's face reality. Mental illness is not a bad word. It is something we have to face. We all have to face. It is something that we have to accept and understand as a reality in our humanity, as a reality in our lives. It is something which is on the increase as life becomes more challenging and more stressful. Isn't it amazing? We, we invent all sorts of wonderful gadgets to make life easier for us. And then you become slaves to these gadgets. There was a time that when I left my office at half past four, my work was done for the day. Now you try doing that today. No matter where you are, your office is with you. Your clients are with you. They can call you anytime. And you sit in bed at night and going through emails, trying to think what you're going to do. Life, instead of becoming easier, has become more stressful. And that has skyrocketed the instances of stress, anxiety, depression, mental illness. Mental illness does not mean Crazy does not equal crazy. Mental illness does not mean out of touch with reality. Many people who are completely in touch with reality suffer mental issues. Worry is a mental issue. Compulsion is a mental issue. 
Fear is a mental issue. There are lots of different mental issues, but chief among mental issues or illnesses is depression. One writer calls depression the common cold of emotional disorders. Just like everybody goes through a common cold now and then, it like everybody will go through a bout of depression. It is like the common cold of emotional disorders. Now, due to the pandemic, there's been a sharp rise in cases of depression. Lockdown worsened cases of depression. Nearly two-thirds of South Africans, two-thirds people of South Africans surveyed in 2020-2021 said that their mental health worsened during lockdown, while some said they experienced suicidal thoughts. That's around us here. Well, an analysis covering 204 countries, including South Africa, in this analysis, there was a 25% surge in depressive and anxiety disorders due to the pandemic. That's a huge increase, people. Depression used to be more prevalent among adults, but today, even teenagers and children are experiencing depression. It's a reality we have to understand and we have to face. So, if I have depression, does it mean I have less faith? Does it mean I have sinned? Does it mean that God is far from me? No. No. It just means I have a condition that needs to be addressed. And that's very important. You need to take note of it and realize it's a condition that needs to be addressed, not ignored, not make believe it's not there, not suppressed, not keep it to yourself. No, it's a condition that must be addressed. Depression can have many causes. And so you need to treat it like you treat a normal physical illness, like a cold or a shoulder pain or a whatever it is. When you're feeling ill, you treat it. You go and figure out what is wrong. You go to a doctor. You, you, you get input. You get medication. You get treatment. Now, the same thing, the, the same way, you must deal with depression. There is physical or physiological illnesses, and there are emotional or mental illnesses. Both are normal things that happen to us, and both need care and treatment. Depression and mental illness is nothing new. It is part of being human. And I want to share some examples with you today from Scripture. Yeah, the Bible. Can you believe it? Thousands of years ago, three, four thousand years ago, even longer than that, people were already suffering with depression. Yes, when the world was a lot smaller, a lot less people, a lot more fresh air. And yet people were already struggling with depression. And I want us to visit some passages in the Bible. Many of the great names in Scripture knew at one time or another great discouragement and deep depression. We're going to start with Job, the oldest book in the Bible. The oldest story recorded in the Bible is the story of Job. And, and Job, right in the beginning of his book, chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us he was a godly man. He was a good guy. 
And this guy, you know, in terms of the days he lived in and the challenges around him and, and everybody worshiping idols and so forth, this guy was a saint. It says that he was a man blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. You see? <laughs> and yet, he's lost. And he's pain. Remember, he, he lost his children. He lost everything he had. And then he got really sick, very ill, horrible illness in his body. So his loss and his pain brought him so low that he found himself in a dark, hopeless place. And this is an extract of what he said. You're going to Job chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. He says, My days come to an end without hope. My eyes will never see happiness again. Now, have you ever heard people say that? Well, I have. People feel so low. That they say, Pastor, I'm hopeless. Pastor, I will never see happiness again. My life is over. And I'm not talking about elderly people, you know, very, very old. I'm talking about middle-aged people. We still the whole life ahead of them. But they go through a trauma, Pastor, that's it. My life is over. I, I, I will never be happy again. I've lost this, I've lost this, my marriage is down, blah, blah, whatever it is. My life is hopeless. And Job came to that point in his life. My days, they come to an end without hope. My eyes will never see happiness again. Now, that does not sound like a man filled with the joy of the Lord, does it? <laughs> but as we know, his bout of depression did not stop the Lord from being with him and restoring him. Some things Job never got back. And so he had to learn to live without them. But the Lord was with him. And he took him through he, that season of darkness in his life. Now, what about Moses? Yeah, the great Moses. The liberator, the deliverer. <laughs> Numbers 12, 3 describes Moses as a humble man. More humble than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Can you imagine this? Huh? Moses was humble and very proud of it. No, 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 no I'm just joking. He was a very humble man. The humblest man. In, on the earth at his time, it says. Now, he rose to be an example of how an ordinary man can become a great leader when submitted to God. Moses became one of the greatest of all Old Testament characters. Moses is still today amongst his people, the Jewish nation. He's revered. He's honored. What a great guy. He was trusted with a gigantic task of being the leader of over a million Hebrew people, of being the one to answer all the questions the people had concerning their needs, and of being the deliverer and administrator of God's law to his people. Now, this already difficult task, I mean, just imagine, okay, you've been the leader of a million people, everybody hanging on to you, okay? Now, this was difficult task was made even harder by the tendency of the Israelites to gripe, complain, doubt God, and attack Moses. Nice. I'm sure if you were him living in the situation, you would be full of joy, wouldn't you? <laughs> Give me a break. Eventually, Moses was crushed with all this, with the weight of this assignment. Eventually, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and, and verse 12, Moses cries out and he says, How can I alone bear 
your problems and your burdens and your complaints. This is the cry of a man full of the joy of the Lord, feeling victorious, being the head and not the tail, right? No. This is the cry of a frustrated man. A depressed man. He can't take it anymore. He had had enough of those people. He was being crushed emotionally. Again, it's not the cry of someone who feels victorious and joyful. What about Elijah? You know Elijah, the great prophet who calls fire down from heaven? And we all remember Elijah for that, for the great miracle as he mocked the prophets of Baal as they tried to wake up Baal and bring the fire down. And then Elijah prays and the fire comes down, consumes the sacrifice, the water and everything around the altar. Great victory. And yet, after demonstrating God's power in bringing fire from heaven, what does he do? He runs away. Because when the queen heard what had happened, she says, tomorrow you are dead, Elijah. And guess what? He ran away. He ran away. He goes into the desert. He sits under a tree. And he's so depressed that he wants to die. You read about it in 1 Kings chapter 19. The Lord sends an angel with food and water, and he spent time resting and feeding himself. Now, it's interesting that when the Lord comes to him, dead in the desert, all by himself, he's all depressed and sorry for himself, the Lord does not rebuke him. The Lord does not say, Elijah, you need to pray a bit more now. Elijah, maybe you should get in the word, okay? Elijah, sing some songs of worship right now. Come on. No. The Lord gives him food, gives him water, and lets him rest. Because sometimes our depression is because we have not been properly looking after ourselves. We are so caught up in the run of life, the chasing of things, the pressures of life, the deadlines, everything else. We don't get enough time to rest. We don't get enough time to sleep. We don't get enough time to eat properly. We begin to sacrifice ourselves, and slowly but surely, we become drained. And one day, we wake up, and we can't move. We're so depressed. And so the Lord just gave him practical stuff. Nothing spiritual, just practical, simple, physical stuff. But Elijah's story does not end there. On the strength of the food the Lord gave him, and on that rest he had, he then traveled a long distance to Mount Horeb, the mountain of, mountain of God, a 40-day journey. And then when he gets there, he gets into a cave and he hides. <laughs> still feeling very much depressed, a bit stronger physically, but still. So the Lord goes and talks to him again. And he tells God that he's very upset because all the prophets have been killed. Only him is alive. And the queen is after his neck. And so God then tells him that it is not so. God informs him. There are 7,000 other prophets which have been preserved. This is not the end of the journey. And then God gives Elijah instructions to go and anoint two kings and a prophet to succeed him. What is happening here? Although he was feeling depressed, he was feeling hopeless, all of a sudden God brings him information and all of a sudden life begins to make sense again for Elijah. Not only that, God trusts him with more work to do. God loves him, and God entrusts him 
with something else to do. Raises his vision, gives him a goal. And sometimes we need to hear that from God. And I want you to know that when you are down and out, you are not useless to God. God will sometimes come to you. And in the middle of your dark moment, of your anxiety, of your depression, He'll come and encourage you. He'll give you fresh information which helps you to realize that it is not as bad as you think. It is bad, but not as bad as you think. And in spite of what's going on, God will give you instruction. There's something for you to do. Your life is not over yet. There's work for you to do. And what you do is you begin to do that in the strength of the Lord. One day at a time, you start doing, start doing, and the Lord takes you through that. God is not angry at Elijah because of his depression. God loved him. God was with him. Gave him instructions concerning his treatment. Gave him information to clarify his thinking. And finally gave him work to do. Amen? Now, what, what about David, the great David, the psalmist, the king? Huh? The man so loved by, again, until today, the Jewish people honor David. He was popular in his time, famous in his day, and until today, he's a well-known, well-loved guy. David had, had moments of great discouragement. And I'm not, I'm not going to go into his life. He had moments of great discouragement and depression. Sometimes due to his own sins and bad choices. And sometimes, guys, we get into dark places because of our own sins and bad choices. And David sometimes got into deep trouble and deep depression because of his sins and bad choices. And we have to face that as well. Accept that as well, that sometimes we are the cause of our own darkness. But again, God did not punish him for that. God did not leave him. God was with him. And the moment he came to, to, to understand that and he talked to God, God was right there to forgive him and help him through. And when we make stupid mistakes that lead us into places of darkness, please, people, don't run away from God. Run to God. Surrender to him. Says, Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. He has plenty of time for you. And he will help you to get over that thing. What if it's serious, Pastor? There is nothing too serious for God. And yes, sometimes we have to live with consequences of our sins, like David had to live with the consequences of some of his sins. But God will give you strength and get you through. But other times... David's depression came out of the pressures of his enemies and of circumstances beyond his control. The book of Psalms, <laughs> the book of Psalms is filled with the desperate cries of David. You could say that the book of Psalms is, is David's journal of his high points and low points. He put everything there. When he's happy, he wrote about it. When he's sad, he wrote about it. When he's feeling bad, he wrote about it. When he's feeling good, he wrote about it. And it's all there. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And God never stopped loving David. The Lord was with David in good times and in bad times. And the God of David is your God and my God. And he will be with us in our good times and in our bad times. Amen? Now, Jonah, what about Jonah? You know, Jonah was the missionary that, that ran away from his mission, remember? God said, go there, and he went the other way. I said, no way, I'm not going there. Eventually, the Lord uh, kind of twists his arm, you know, by getting him into a fish, for, you know, making him back to shore again. 
And then, very reluctantly, he accepts God's calling. And he goes into Nineveh, and uh, he gives God's message there. God's message basically is, guys, you have sinned so much that God's going to destroy you. And he walked around that big city, told everybody, you are sinners. God's going to destroy you. And then he walked out, went up a hill, and sat over there watching. He couldn't wait to see God destroy Nineveh. You bunch of sinners. It's going to be so good watching this. And then nothing happened. God didn't destroy the sinners. Why? Because when people heard the message and the warning, you know what they did? They repented. From the king down to everybody. They all had a pre-meeting. They all covered themselves in ashes. They all came before God. And they repented and they cried for mercy. And God had mercy upon that city. And God did not destroy the city. But that, that (laughs) made Jonah so despondent. I mean, here he comes, you know, after much resistance, eventually comes and he gives a message, and now his message is ignored. And people must think, what a fool that man was. I mean, he came here prophesying and nothing happened, you know. And so he was feeling very despondent. So much so that he wanted God to take his life. Jonah chapter 4, verse 3. Jonah chapter 4, verse 3. Jonah says, Therefore now, O Lord... Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And he didn't say it only once. Read that chapter twice. He tells God just to take his life away. Now, Jonah is so upset with life that he repeats this desire twice. And as you read chapter 4 of Jonah, you realize that it is totally irrational the way he feels. My goodness, why should he feel so bad? Yes, he was a messenger, and and his prophecy did not come to pass. But why? Because the people repented. So why is he feeling so bad? It doesn't make sense, does it? Now, here's the thing, folks. Sometimes it is that way with depression, too. Often, the feelings are irrational. When you are depressed, you may feel there is no way out. You, you, You may feel that... There is no hope. But the feelings are irrational. They don't make sense. But for you, there is no hope. Somebody watching you, somebody watching your life or talking to you, they will not understand why you think it's so bad. But for you, it is bad. And that is why, listen, that is why it is important to talk to someone when you feel so depressed that you feel that it is better to die than to love. Call someone. Call a friend. Call us. Call a crisis number. Listen, I I want to give you a number today. I want to give a number to call, okay? And write this number down. You may need it yourself, or you may need to give it to someone in a crisis. I don't know if you've got a a slide for it, it should be, there it is, okay? Write this number down. It's the South African crisis line. 0800-567-567. If you are in South Africa, you can call this number, 24-7. They are equipped to assist those who are suicidal. So keep this number handy, maybe to give to a friend, and maybe even for yourself, if you're in that dark place and you can't reach anyone. Make a note of this number. So, even though Jonah was so depressed that he did not want to live, the Lord was with him. 
and had compassion on him. He was not rejected. The Lord had a nice conversation with him and helped him to understand what was going on and that his feelings didn't make sense. And hopefully he understood. But the fact is the Lord was with him. Just one more. Jeremiah. Jeremiah is another great prophet who was so profoundly sad that he's known to this day as the weeping prophet. It seemed Jeremiah was always weeping, always sad. I mean, the, the, the prophecies he brought to the people were pretty difficult, pretty heavy messages. And so he, he felt the weight of that. And at one point in his life, he confessed that he wished he had never been born. And yet the Lord was with him and trusted him with important messages for the people of Israel. There are many more people of faith in the Bible, Old and New Testament, who suffered from depression. It is reassuring to know that many great heroes of faith suffered depression. Yet God never rejected them and entrusted them with his word in spite of their condition. <laughs> this shows that God loves you when you are depressed or when you suffer any mental disorder. What we need to know is that we can turn to God in such times. Please remember this. You can turn to God in such times. For many people, this depression bout will be a passing condition. And for others, it may take a little bit longer. For some, it may be a chronic condition that will have to, you have to learn to live with it or to take medication for it. But what you need to know is this. You are not alone. No matter if it's a shorter or a longer condition, God is with you. God will be with you. You are not alone. And He will enable you to manage that thing. What can one do when depression or other mental illness hit you? Just a couple of things. First, do not give up hope. Do not give up hope. When I went through my burnout and sense of depression, that's the one thing I hold on, held on to. I did not give up hope. I knew. Although to me it seemed dark and there was no hope, I knew that in God there was hope. I knew this too, I would get through this. And sometimes I had to live day to day. I would wake up in the morning, my prayer was, God, get me through this day. And I couldn't wait to get back to bed at night again. And it went for a season like that. But I never gave up hope. Number two, stay close to God. Stay close to God. Have an ongoing conversation with God. I had a conversation almost out the whole day because life continued, ministry continued. I had to go to all sorts of different places and, and minister to people. And sometimes I'm driving this, I'm, I'm saying, God, you know, I, what am I going to do? I feel so low, I feel so empty, you know, and I just keep on talking to God. And then I would just get there and, and, and God would break through and touch people's lives. And I'd say, thank you, God, only you could do this because I couldn't. <laughs> and you learn to love dependent on God, hallelujah. And I'll never forget that. And so... Do not give up hope and stay close to God. And then third, very important, guard your heart and your mind, people, because that is where depression builds. You know, uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life, Proverbs 4.23. Another translation says, for it is the source of life. You see, keep your heart for Life comes out of it. And if you don't take care of your heart, if you don't guard your heart, 
it can snuffle life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. He talks about eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The point is this, as you think in your heart, so you are. And so you need to guard your heart and your mind. Because these are the places the devil attacks the most. You, you see, we, we are guarding everything except our hearts and our minds. Huh? We, we install alarms to guard our homes. We use passwords to guard our phones and our accounts. We want to protect them. Right? But all, what are we doing to guard our hearts and our minds? We allow all sorts of junk in, often through the very devices we protect. And through social media, WhatsApp, Facebook, and whatever. Junk comes into your mind and into your heart. Bullying, offenses, rubbish. What are you doing to guard your heart and your mind? Remember that depression amplifies problems, fears, and anxiety. It is not always as bad as you imagine it to be. As part of guarding your mind, you need to have a realistic assessment of the situation around you. And that is where talking to someone you trust is so important. And as believers and as a church, this should be a safe place to be able to talk about our deepest hurts and fears and find comfort and direction. Amen? And unfortunately, the place is just the opposite. Somebody opens up and says, hey, just pray more, brother. You don't have enough faith. Where's your faith? Let's go and sing a bit more. Go and read a bit more Bible. Come on. How many times have I had to sit, sit with people that they've gone to big faith meetings and all they get is broken because they get told this kind of nonsense. Just go and pray more. Have faith. And then I have to sit and pick up the pieces in the counseling room and help them to realize it's not about more faith or about more prayer or about more reading. We need to talk about this. Let's get to the bottom of this. So, if you ever felt or are feeling symptoms of depression, don't run from God. Don't run from church meetings. Don't run from, from fellowship with other people. Pray, seek the Lord, but also talk to others. Have a medical checkup. Look at patterns in your life, your rest, work, exercise, and eating patterns. And let us as individuals and as a church be a safe place to talk about this, to have others talk to you about this kind of thing. Another thing you can do to guard your heart and your mind, if you have the U version of the Bible on your uh, phone, on your smartphone, is to look for devotionals on the topic of depression or anxiety. Just look for devotionals there. You'll find that there are four-day, five-day, ten-day devotionals on these topics, and that is going to help you focus that's going to bring instruction to you. That's going to clarify some things and give you something practical to do and to, to strengthen your, your, your emotions and your faith. Amen? So do that. It will give you comfort and strength. Depression and mental illness is something that we just don't give in to. It is something that we fight, but we don't fight alone. Depression may feel like a dark tunnel, but tunnels are something you go through. It's not a place where you camp in. Amen? 
Therefore, don't resign yourself to depression. Rather, do all you can to fight it and treat it, even if it includes taking medication to help you with it. Nothing wrong with that. Faith and medication are not mutually exclusive. Prayer and medication are not mutually exclusive for any type of illness. Amen? They're both trying to achieve the same thing. And above all, remember that God loves us even when we are depressed. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to ask the guys to just distribute the, uh, the cups, please, uh, and get us ready for communion because we're going to share in communion now. If you're online, please get your bread and your juice ready. And as you share in communion now, I want us to remember that Christ died for our illnesses, which include depression and other mental illness. I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 to 5. It's talking about Jesus here. He, he was despised. Jesus, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. You guys can please go ahead and, and distribute as I'm talking. Thank you. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. You hear that? Jesus was acquainted with deepest grief. And as you take your communion today, I want you to remember that Jesus understands. As he lived on this earth, he experienced a lot of what you and I experience. Maybe some, some things were just momentarily, some were longer, but I want you to know he understands. He understands. We turned our backs on him and, and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought, <laughs> we thought that his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped, so we could be healed. And this is what communion reminds us of today. So we remember, his suffering as we take communion today. We remember that he suffered for us, for our sins, for our sickness, for our disease. And as you take communion today, if you have illness, disease, depression, any emotional or physical or mental issue, name it and bring it to Him. Amen? And thank Him for taking your sins away. Hallelujah. As He died on that cross. Thank Him for the eternal life that He gave you at the cross. And declare your trust in Him today, now, as you know that He is with you. Even though 
you may be going through whatever it is that you're going through, you know that he is with you. Amen? So let us all stand up now. and Let's get our bread ready. Lord, we thank you for this bread, the fruit of the ground, which reminds us of your broken body. Your body that was beaten so we could be whole. Your body that was whipped so we could be healed. And we claim our healing today, Lord. We claim our strength today, Lord. We thank you that you are with us even in our darkest moments. You have not rejected us, Lord God. You have not forsaken us. And we declare that to you, Lord. And Lord, as your people declare any illness or disease or situation that they need your touch, I thank you, Holy Spirit of God, just for moving amongst your people, those here present, those watching online, those listening to this message. Lord, let your Holy Spirit touch bodies today, Lord God. Touch minds, touch hearts with your healing, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take and eat and be blessed as you do. Hallelujah. Let's get the juice ready. And let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the fruit of the vine, Lord. Reminding us of your precious blood poured for us, Lord. Oh. Poured for us, Lord. You took the punishment for our sins, my God. Our sins, our sorrows weighed on you, my Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the wonderful salvation that we have today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that today, in spite of our weaknesses, even in spite of our, our sins, our wrongdoings, our wrong choices sometimes, Lord, you still love us. And we have a relationship with you. <laughs> and we are called the children of God because of the blood of Jesus. Because of our faith in you, Lord. And we declare our faith in you today, Lord, as we partake of this cup. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Take and drink the cup of the blessing. Mm. Amen. Amen. The cup of blessing. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I trust that you have been encouraged today. That you are being challenged as well. That you take a note of these important things. That it will not only be a blessing to you, but it will help you to be a blessing to others. Amen. No matter where you are, at your place of work, at your place of study, at your schools, gym, whatever it is. You may come across someone who needs to hear what you've heard yet today. Go and be a mouthpiece of the Lord. Go and be a lifeline to people. Amen.
And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of us as we live day by day in relationship with God, in union with the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. I bless week and see you next Sunday again. God bless you. Amen.